Well, I hope you guys are having a good week. And uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm today really excited, as, as I always am. This has just been an incredible series that we've been going through. I hope you guys have, uh, have been enjoying being a part of that. I have. And uh, it's been really cool. So over the next few moments, I really want you to, ask, uh, to, uh, to lean in and ask God what he wants to say to you today and what you need to hear. Because here's the deal. This is one of those stories in Scripture. It's one of my favorites, but it's also one of those stories in Scripture that absolutely can step on our toes. And, th- and that's what I've, I've been seeing through the book of Mark. As we look at God and we look at Jesus as, as he has uh, been displayed in the book of Mark, man, Mark is like one of those books that just steps right on your toes. But the reason is, is because God doesn't want us to be the same. And today, that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. That's kind of where we're going to kind of land on for the next few moments, that, that God doesn't want us to be like we used to be. God doesn't want us to, to, to put on a show, put on, a, put on an act uh, when we come to church. He doesn't, want us to, he doesn't want us to be anything else but His. And so when we sing these songs, I understand it's hard for some of us. It's hard to say, here I surrender, because we're too bu- busy trying to impress the person next to us. And we're too busy trying to, to, to see what the next laugh we can get or the next like we can get. But I want you to lean in on what Jesus did to a tree, to a tree this morning. And when I read this and when I was studying over this, I was like, whoa, Jesus, because I've read this story so many times. And it's one of those, it's like, it's really one of my favorite stories in scripture. It's, it's really cool. But when you find the meaning behind it in all the ins and outs, man, it slaps us right in the face. Because Jesus wants us to be who he's called us to be. And so this morning, I want you to be encouraged by the end of this message. I want you to be encouraged by the end of this talk that, that let's not be like this tree. Let's not be like this tree. So when I was in high school, I had Spanish with a little Puerto Rican lady named Miss Quinones. Y'all say Miss Quinones. Miss Quinones. And her, her classroom was in a trailer. Did any of y'all have any classes in trailers? If, you know, out in a tra- that was, that was, it was across the back parking lot. It was all the way in the back. And one of the cool, like, you didn't like to go out there because of the rain and because of the, like, when it was really cold, it, it really stank going out there and really rainy and it's, you know, snow and all that stuff. But the cool part about being in a trailer, I don't know how it was for your, how it is for your classes, but for us, the, the teacher's a little more slack on rules. When it comes to like eating and drinking in class, maybe you can do that anyway. But like in our high school, you could not eat or drink in the building. But once you got out there, like I guess the faculty didn't, the principal didn't make their way back to the trailers. And Miss Quinones was like, "You can bring your food anytime you want." And I'm like, "Sweet!" And so she said it in Spanish, and I don't. I'm. I mean, Drew could probably you know say that really fast, but I can't. But she would. She would say, "You can bring food. You can bring drinks. You can bring. You can chew gum." Now, is chewing gum still allowed? Like, can you do that now? See, we couldn't, man. It was hard. We didn't have cell phones and we couldn't chew gum. Life was tough. Now, here's the deal. So we would go out there and I would always, ever, and never failed, and never failed. I would get a Barks root beer. Anybody like Barks root beer? I like Barks root beer. And then I, I, it was weird. It was like one of those weird combinations. Don't knock it till you try it. Barks root beer and salt and vinegar chips. I know it like it'll change your life. I'm telling you, it's like eating a peanut butter and pickle sandwich. It's like it's 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 craziness. Yeah, peanut butter and pickle. Try it. That's good too. But here's the deal. 
I'll never forget. I was, it was right after, like, we had lunch. We had lunch at, like, 1030 in the morning. It was crazy. Of course, we started school at 705, but and we had lunch at 1030. And then by this time, it was about one o'clock, so we just needed a little snack. And I'll never forget walking through the little, the little outside area and seeing the vending machines. I don't know if you have the row of vending machines. It's like a, a row of sugar and, and, and carbs. And so you walk over there, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I know what I'm going to get. I already got my, my can of root beer, and I'm putting my money in, and I see the chips. And maybe you've never had this experience, but the chips come in that little swirly thing where it kind of pushes it out and then it goes clink and it just sticks anybody else been there you know the the chips just stick and man i'm banging on the glass bam and then like teacher's like what are you doing no i'm just trying to get my chips you're trying to break in no i'm just trying to get my chips this machine look at all the goodness it's got juicy fruit it's got chips ahoy and it's got salt and vinegar and i just want that salt and vinegar down on the bottom of the slot so i can pull it out and go to class and that thing stuck there. It, it, it would not move. I'm banging. I'm shaking the machine. That thing was stuck. It was lodged in there. And so the next person, I'm just, no, the next person like got double the chips. He's like, ha moron. Here's 35 cents, double bag of chips. And uh, I'm going to keep them for myself. But I'll never forget the frustration of that the chip bag. I know that sounds so dumb, but that chip bag, that vending machine, it's kind of like going to our Coke machine right now. So if you go, if you, you know, put your 35 cents, or you put your dollar and it, nothing comes out. You're like, I just want a Coca-Cola. I just want a Sprite. I just want whatever else is in there. And, and you, you can't get it out. You're like, it, it says it's there, but you can't get it out. And maybe you've experienced, but we've all experienced like movies. People tell you like this movie, you see this trailer and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see this movie. And you go watch this movie and it's nothing. It just sucks. Like that movie just, oh, it's horrible. It's like, why did I pay $35 to watch this movie? It's so bad. Or maybe maybe you have a friend or we've had we've all had someone come into our lives and they're like, they they are not that you you hear and you think, oh man, that person's pretty cool. Like that person's got it going on. I need to be that person's friend. That, that person's got everything that I want to be and more. And, and so you try to hang out with them and then you find out that we're like, oh man, that guy's like nothing or that girl's nothing what I thought. It, it's just different. And see, Jesus has a moment like this in Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 11. And so as we're turning there, Jesus, I want you to understand Jesus has the same little interaction. I want to, I want to show you what Jesus did in this point of Mark chapter 11. And he has the same, it wasn't a vending machine. It was actually a fig tree. And when he goes up to this fig tree, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. He has this moment of intensity and, and if you read it and you skip past it, you will totally miss the point of what Jesus is trying to say. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to, to have a Bible this morning. If you don't have a Bible, hold your hand up and we'll give you a Bible. Kristen will go snag some Bibles and we'll give you a Bible. You have, you have it on your phone. I want you to, you need to read. You need to see this. You need to be a part of this. It won't be on the screen. We don't do that. And the only reason we don't do that is because we want you to bring your Bibles. There's something about having the Word of God. So if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible and uh, you can take it with you. But this morning, we're going to look at this. 
So a little backstory. This is the start of Passover week. Jesus comes in and the triumphal entry. It's that time where we celebrate, you know, the Palm, the Palm Sunday, you know, the, all this. And, and they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna. All this stuff is going on. And so he's making his way to Jerusalem. And he's going down, and we'll start in verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So there's a ton of people. Now, you need to understand, during this time, it would be, in Jerusalem, there would be 10 times the amount of population of people in Jerusalem. There was a ton of people. And what they were doing is they're bringing their sacrifices. They're bringing their sacrifices. And, and they're supposed to be sacrificing because the, uh, the, the, the rules were that God put out in the Old Testament were to sacrifice a, a dove or a lamb or something that's, that has, has, has you have been raised up or has been raised up in your home that you can go to the temple and sacrifice. And so they get to this and you see all these parallels and you see all these things that are going down and, and uh, it, Jesus truly came to die. And as we celebrate this Christmas season, I mean, we're, we're, we're ending with the, the, uh, crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And, and it just blows me away that that was his purpose. That was his reason. This is why we, what we're reading right now, the things that are going down right now and the things that we're seeing in scripture right now and the things that, that we don't want you to miss right now is the reason that Jesus came and it was to, came, it was to come and die. Now, we see this, we get to this point and so Jesus goes into Jerusalem. It, there wasn't any room. And uh, it reminds me of another time Jesus came to uh, Bethlehem and there wasn't room. So they left. And so they went out and he goes to Bethany. And so the next day he wakes up. He next day he wakes up. And just like a lot of us, he wakes up hungry. Any, any, how many of y'all just, Will, I know you wake up like you're just wanting food, right? Every, every morning. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal. He wakes up and he's hungry. So verse 12, we'll start right there. This is the second time that this happens. We'll talk, or this is the first time for the fig tree. Second time on the second part, we'll see that and we'll get there in a second. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. How do we know he was hungry? Because it says it right there. He was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf. Now you need to understand, Jesus saw in the distance, he's hungry, he's walking to Jerusalem and he sees this fig tree. Now we see it, it has leaves on it. That's why, how do we know it has leaves on it? It says it right there, in leaf. So it has leaves on it. Now he went to find out if it had any fruit, but when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Now we could stop right there. And, and before we get to this next part, we need to understand that what he's about to do is about to be very dramatic. And some people, some, some atheists would look at this. Some atheists would look at this and go, Jesus has got a little temper problem. He, he, he threw a little temper tantrum when he came to the figs, fig tree and just saw nothing but leaves. But here's the deal. When he came to the fig tree, that fig tree had leaves on it. Therefore, it should have produced something. Even if it was little, little fruit, little, little figs, there should have been something on the tree. But because he came to the tree and there was nothing but leaves on it, Jesus does this. He says to the tree, he talks to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. 
whoa, Jesus, that's a little intense. Just because you didn't get breakfast, you might be a little hangry. You might need a Snickers. But no, he looks at this and he says, I, I want something to eat. But because you say, you look like you have some fruit on you, but there's no fruit on you. And so you're not ever, 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 ever going to produce because you are about to, well, no one can ever eat fruit from you again. And so he didn't just say that. Imagine his disciples kind of sitting back and hearing Jesus say that, like, whoa, what did Jesus just do? What in the world just happened? Well, he didn't have breakfast. He didn't have breakfast. He had this little interaction with a tree. On reaching the temple, or excuse me, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. You need to understand that the temple area was about 35 acres worth of temple. This was a big place, and he goes right in the entryway. He goes right, right where everybody would be feeding through. He would be, he goes right in the center, right in the middle where everybody, no one could go past Jesus. He goes right in the middle, and Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned tables with the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Now, he says this, he quotes scripture, he told, quotes the Old Testament, and he taught them. He's, he's, not just, he's not just doing this, he's not just, not just flipping tables over. He's already done this once, and he does it again because the people just don't understand. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it into a den of robbers. Now, you need to understand, when Jesus went in and started going nuts, people would say, well, he was just hangry. He was just really, like, he was, he was hungry and angry, and then he put it together, he didn't have breakfast so he just went nuts and he's like flipping over tables and and releasing doves and like why in the world Jesus are you doing this well here's the deal remember I said earlier that these people these pilgrims would come to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifice well what had happened was that the priest would go into the temple and the priests would go, there was, it'd be like a priest mafia would come and they had like everything over everything. They ran everything. They're like, okay, if you come in, you don't worry about having a sacrifice. You just buy it from us. You just buy it from us. You know that, but here's the deal. A dove would cost about 25 cents. A dove would cost about 25 cents if you were just to go to the market and just buy a dove. But here's the deal. They marked up the price so much, it'd be $4 a dove. That's how jacked up they were. They were like, man, if you come in, here's what's the deal. You come in and you're going to get this dove from me and then you're going to take it to the sacrifice. But here's the deal. You're a pilgrim from another land. You don't have Jerusalem money. So we can exchange that money for you. We can, we can, we can do a little money exchange at the, at the little table. And what they would do is people would hand them like a, a dollar bill and they give them a quarter back. I mean, these people were messed up. These people were, and Jesus goes in here and says, this is not how my father's house, this physical temple should look. This is not how this is supposed to be. And he goes, a holy, righteous anger. It was not out of sin. It was not out of being hangry. It was not out of anything. It was a total righteous anger. And he said, this is not how it's supposed to be. And here's how you can tell, because he taught them. It doesn't say he yelled at them. It doesn't say that he, he was angry and in his anger, he looked at them and pointed his fingers. No, he taught them that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it into a den of robbers. 
The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. So he goes in, does all this. And we see two cursings here. So if you're taking notes, he, we see two cursings. Jesus cursed the unfruitfulness. Jesus cursed unfruitfulness. Write that down. Jesus cursed unfruitfulness. But not only do we see that Jesus cursed unfruitfulness, we also see that Jesus cursed unfaithfulness. We see that Jesus cursed unfaithfulness. And both the fig tree and the temple had one thing in common. You say a tree and a 35-acre temple, how does that have anything in common? Well, here's the deal. They were both hypocrites. They were both hypocrites. And Jesus spoke a ton about hypocrisy. And we see throughout Scripture that, that those who, who look clean on the outside but on the inside are like a, a whitewashed tomb. They're dead in the inside and the outside looks so clean. He says, that's not how it's supposed to be. We see that He is the, brine and we're, uh, the, excuse me, he is the vine and we are the branches. If anyone remains in Him, He will bear much fruit. He says, if those who don't remain in me, they're cut down and thrown into the fire. He's talking, this is a big deal. When Jesus says this, when he cursed the fig tree and when he cursed, man, when he cursed the temple, he said, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how you're supposed to look. You're not supposed to be this way. Charles Spurgeon says this, the great majority of persons who have any sort of religion at all bear leaves, but they produce no fruit. No fruit. In that culture, is the same as the culture that we live in now. We're very religious. What religion do you? What religion are you affiliated with? What what religious things do you do? Do you, do you know? <coughs> excuse me. It's all about this religion and not a relationship because we, we do the acts and, and, and we, you know, you put on the clothes and you go to church and you stand and we sing and we, we listen and we play on our phones and, and it's just this thing that we do is, and we might come back another time of the week if we don't, you know, we're not, we've not too busy and, and then he says, he says, this is not how it's supposed to be. Charles Spurgeon says the great majority of persons who have any sort of religion at all bear leaves they look like they should have fruit they look like there should be some fruit on the tree but they produce none they produce none and i just want to pose a question as i've studied this and i pondered this myself if jesus was to walk up to you right now and Jesus was to look you right in the eye and he was to walk up to you at school and he was to walk up to you at church and he was to walk up into you this moment as you're sitting here in this room. If Jesus was to walk up to you and look you in the eyes, how would you look to him? Would you look like you have it all together? Would you look like, you know, you, you've got your clothes pressed and you got your, you know, your hair combed and everything's ready to go and you come to church and you've done the things, you ate your pancakes and you sang your songs and you're sitting, you even have your Bible open. You might even be taking notes. But when he looks inside your heart, what does he see? When he looks inside your soul, what, what does he see? What does he see? 
So many of you, you go to church and you go to mission trips and you go to retreats and you, you're a part of so many events. You're a part of your FCA at your school and you're a part of any club, Bible club in your, in your club. You might, even, you might even go to K-Life and you might go to Y-Life and, and J-Life and all these other lives. You might have 15 lives like a cat. You know, you, you have all these different lives. You have it all together. But here's the deal. Just because you do all those things and you're part of FCA and all these other things and you've got the look and you're, you, you, got the, you got the look, but in your hearts, are you any different than the temple? Are you any different, listen, than the fig leaf, or excuse me, the fig tree? And that's the part as we read, we read the scripture and it's like, we gotta get it together. And that's what Jesus wants us to hear and wants us to see because we can come in here and we can hear this, this band who is so stinking awesome. I don't even feel worthy enough to be leading worship with them. They're so good. Week after week, different players come on this stage and, and lead, no, not players, but worship leaders. To be able to edit the videos that you guys are making is just amazing. To be able to watch what you guys do and the, the passion that you give is so awesome. But at the end of the day, is what we're living on the outside the same as what is in the inside? And so let's pick up on the story a little bit. So in the morning, they woke up because remember, evening came and they went out of the city. They went back to Bethany. And in the morning, they were going back into town. As they went along, they saw the fig tree, listen, withered to the roots. It had no leaves on it. it. It didn't even look like it had any water. It was withered down to the roots. It was dead. It was dead. And Peter, remember, remember the disciples saw this happen. He saw, they saw Jesus talking to this tree. And Peter remembered, oh man, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus like, duh, I told it not to grow any fruit anymore. No, he didn't say that. This is what he says. He looks at him and he just smiles. Remember, I really think Jesus had a loving, compassionate face and facial expressions and, and attitude and just compassion. And he looks at them and he says these words. He says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to his, this mountain, go throw yourselves into the sea or go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says will happen, it will be done for him. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask, him, ask for in prayer, believe in what you've, uh, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. A time out, that doesn't mean like, God, I really truly believe you're gonna give me a Ferrari. That's not what time back in, that's not what he's meant. And when you stand praying, if you hold Anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And so we read this because here's the deal. Jesus like throws down. This was a very serious thing. Remember, hypocrisy was a big deal to Jesus and this was a really, really big deal. And so when he curses the fig tree, he says, you do not and you are not what you say you are. And he goes into the temple and he curses their unfaithfulness by flipping over the tables. He said, you are not what you say you are. He says, 
Let me tell you why I did this, and this is how you should act. It says, this is how we should be. The fig tree and the temple have two things in common. They're both hypocrites. But if you don't want to be a hypocrite, if you don't want to look like that, this is how you should act. Because that's the cool thing with Jesus. He just doesn't like throw it out there and leave us with no hope. He doesn't just throw us out there like with a big lightning bolt and says, mess up, I dare you. No. He says, this is how you should act. So I see three things and you see three things. We see three things in the scripture that the church has got to be like. Number one, believers in Christ need to be like and need to have. And number one, it starts with faith. It starts with faith. That's what we need to have. We need to have faith in God, forsaking all. I trust him. We need to give everything to him. What does he say? Have faith in God. Why should we have faith in God? Because Jesus tells us to have faith in God. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Now, that's, that's not what, he, what he's not saying. That's kind of a, a hyperbole. He's not just saying, go up to Stone Mountain and say, all right, Stone Mountain, you and the trees and the, you know, the Confederate soldiers, all of y'all, uproot and go on down to the Gulf of Mexico, and I'll see you there. I believe it can happen. I'm waiting, Stone Mountain. Today. Now. Please? <laughs> no, that's not what he's saying. It's a hyperbole. He's saying, man, anything that would seem impossible, those things that are in your life that seem impossible, those things that you see, you think are mountains, they're too big for you to move. Man, maybe your family is going through some tough times. Maybe your mom and dad are arguing every day. Maybe you're struggling with a friendship. Maybe you're struggling in school. Maybe you're struggling with anything. Those things that seem impossible and you go, man, nothing can fix this. Nothing can come in the way. There can be no intercession, but Jesus says, you pray and you believe that God can handle Handle what is on your plate and it will happen. That's what Jesus is saying. You pray that that mountain will move and it will happen. He said there's nothing too big. Could Jesus move that mountain? Absolutely. But sometimes mountains in our lives don't look like mountains of rock and stone and trees and stuff like that. They look like rough friendships and families that are on the verge of divorce and it looks like those struggles and those temptations and those sins that are in our lives that Jesus goes, just give it to me. Just give it to me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, number two, he says, pray. He says, pray. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. This isn't just praying for the sake of praying, God, let me get into this school. God, let me have this girlfriend. God, some of you guys are really praying that. God, please let me have this boyfriend. Please let me have these clothes. Please let me get this for Christmas. Let me do this. Let me get that job. Let me, let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do all these things. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you would say in your heart, God, I know you want 
me to have what my heart would want, but at the end of the day, I want what your heart wants. Let your will be done. God, let your will be done. Let me follow you. If you would allow me to go to this school, if you would allow me to have this boyfriend and girlfriend, if you would allow me to have this thing, let me honor you with that, not just for the sake of me having it on a piece of paper or, or being able to change my status from single to it's, compli I mean, it's, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not anything, it's, it's God, let me have your will and your way. And he says this last thing, and I know we gotta go. Number three, he says that we need to forgive and why do we forgive? Why should the church, why should we as Christians forgive? Well, it's really simple. It's really super simple. And we say, well, why should we forgive this person who's wronged us? Why should we forgive this, this person that's got animosity with me? Why should we do this? Well, here's the deal. It's really, really simple. I don't want you to miss it. Because Jesus forgave you. Because God sent his son to this earth as a sacrifice to a forgiveness of sins that we might forgive. The author of this commentary said this, and, and I loved it, and I, I don't, I don't wanna misspeak, so I'm gonna read it if you don't mind. He says, let me be specific. Can you forgive those you once wanted to have, or excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. He says, can you forgive those who once hated and have wronged you and can you get the gospel to them? He says, can you? Can we? He says, we gotta be specific about this. Because how can the world look at us and say, oh yeah, that guy's a Christian, that girl's a Christian, that guy, that guy looks like Jesus, that girl looks like Jesus. How do we know? Because of the things that they do and the things that they say honor Christ and they look just like Christ. And, and man, I wanna be like that person, not because of that person, I wanna be like Jesus because that, G, that person has faith in God, that person talks to God and that person forgives like God because that person knows God. That's how we need to be as a church and that just isn't how we, as, as an apostle, need to be that's how we as STS need to be and the only time and the only way that this ministry is going to change if the people in this room from front to back from side to side adhere to what Jesus is saying and saying stop looking like you have fruit and actually have fruit and how do we do it we have faith in God and we talk to him and we forgive like he does there's hope there's hope. And so this morning, I want to encourage you. May we live lives like this. May we understand that God has a bigger life than anything you can think or imagine. And he wants us to be like this. He wants us to be like this. God, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers. God, I pray that tonight, that, or excuse me, that today, that we would honor you. Pray that we sing to you pray that we would give you glory. I pray that when we open up your word that you would speak to us, God. And so, Father, I, I just ask that we might live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And that we might live a life that's honoring and glorifying to you, King Jesus. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for your word. Thank you for these awesome teenagers. Remind us of your scripture this week. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.